Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. As you're seated, I invite you to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to start in the first verse today. I want to begin by sharing three significant life experiences with you. They're very real and meaningful to me. When I was about 12 years old, I was invited to go to a camp. I did not know anything about it, just that one of my buddies was going to this camp. We went up in the mountains of New Mexico. Found out later it was an RA camp. We got to shoot rifles and bows and arrows and ride horses and camp. We did everything. It was an incredible week. At the end of the week, there were probably two, three hundred boys at that camp. They presented an award for the outstanding camper. They went on for about 10 minutes explaining that this award goes to the person with the most leadership skills, with the most potential that they've seen. And this position was voted on by all the camp counselors. And when they were done, they said, Kevin Muhlenberg. And I thought, I was kind of daydreaming because I never had won an award before, especially one for leadership. And the, the, my counselor said, it's Mylenberg. So they, they pronounced it right, Kevin Mylenberg. I went up and got this trophy I still have to this day, Outstanding Camper. That's significant to me because that's the first time it clicked in my brain that I could lead anybody to do anything. Second experience, very meaningful to me. I was about 18 years old. I was struggling with my own doubts about my salvation. I've shared with you I grew up in the church and heard the gospel and walked an aisle as a kid and was baptized but never really understood what I had done. I got into church. That pastor is here this morning, by the way. That preached the gospel with such conviction that I realized I had never been saved and born again. I had just gone through the motions. As a teenager driving home from school one day, I pulled into the church parking lot and I walked in and said, I need help. No one was there except the church secretary. They called one of the pastors and he came, met me down there, and he led me in a prayer to receive Christ as my Savior. I will never forget that afternoon of saying, I'm going to get this settled no matter what. The day I was saved. Significant event. Then another event took place in early 1990s. I was living in Arlington, Texas, pastoring a church, struggling with God's call on my life. I had come to the point in that ministry where I wasn't sure if I even should be a pastor anymore. And God put together the pieces of a puzzle where God called me to Rockport. And I can remember that afternoon in my house praying, and, and I was taught through the Experiencing God, Henry Blackaby study, that you want to have some things line up to know that it's God's will. You want to hear from God. You want to hear through your prayer life that it's God's will. Circumstances need to point that way. And you need to have a word in Scripture. And I, will, I, had, I had heard, I thought, in prayer from God, and, and circumstances were pointing that way, but God had not given me a word from His word. And, and that afternoon, as I was praying all alone in my home, God took me to Acts chapter 16, where the man from Macedonia says to Paul, come over here and help us. And God burned that in my heart and said, Kevin, that's what Rockport's saying to you. 
Come over here and help us. Now, what a significant time in my life. Those three events were experiences of mine that changed my life and shaped me. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul talks to the churches in Galatia about significant events in their life that shaped them. It's very rare for Paul to start his argument. He's gone through his personal history and the history of of his call to the gospel. Chapter 3 and chapter 4 are some of Paul's greatest writings of presenting the Christian faith. But it's very unusual for Paul to start one of his arguments with experience. But that's what he does. So, as I reflect on my significant experiences and see how they shape my life, I want us to look at the significant experiences of the churches, the believers in the churches of Galatia, and how God used those to shape their life, and how God uses that to challenge them with the significance and their impact for the gospel. Verse 1, what a way to start your argument. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, verse 5, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Paul starts out in verse 1, you foolish Galatians. I love love the J.B. Phillips translation. He says in verse 1, his translation of that passage is, you dear idiots of Galatia. And then in verse 3, he goes on to say, surely you can't be so idiotic. Paul is saying, I can't believe you're being so foolish, so idiotic, so illogical about the truth of what's happened in your life. In verse 1, he says, who has bewitched you or who has literally persuaded you, fascinated you with magic, with the sleight of the hand? He's talking about the Judaizers that came in and tricked them and persuaded them to turn back to the law. He says, who's bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Paul says, I was there and I preached Christ so boldly and so clearly that it was as if we could see him crucified. You got it that day. He's talking to a bunch of believers. He's saying to them, you got it that day. You saw Jesus crucified. You you understood and you accepted the message. Then he says in verse 2, I just want to know this one thing. Did that happen through works of the law? Did you receive the Spirit, which is synonymous with salvation? Did that happen by deeds that you had done? Or did it happen by faith? Then he says again in verse 3, are you so foolish that you started the Christian life by believing in Christ, receiving the Spirit, and now you're trying to be perfected or trying to improve your life by going back to the law and adding things to Christ. Remember we said Jesus plus anything else is not grace. And that's what they were trying to do. In verse 4, did you suffer so many things? They had suffered because they stood their ground on faith in Christ. And when the Judaizers first came in and tried to take them back to the law, they said, we're not going back. And they suffered. Paul says, did you suffer in vain? Do you not remember the truth here? And then he mentions miracles being worked among them. 
in verse 5. By the way, that can also be translated, miracles within you. So Paul asked these four questions of them. First of all, about their initiation into the Christian life. It was by the Spirit. You received the Spirit by faith. Completing the Christian life. You're being perfected by faith, not by works. Then he talks about persecution and lastly, miracles. Paul is literally overwhelmed that this group of people who he led to Christ were now thinking about going back and adding legalism, adding the law, adding circumcision or the Jewish faith to their Christianity. He just can't believe it. So he calls them foolish. Five points of application for us today. Did you ever think I'd get to the outline? Number one, we can be lured away from our foundation. We can be lured away from our foundation. That word bewitched in verse one can also mean to be influenced or influenced by the slide of the hand. You've been lured away. You've been fascinated by this trickery of people who are trying to add something to faith in Jesus and faith alone. We can be lured away. Someone said they've experienced something, salvation, and now the Judaizers were trying to get them to add something to that. Again, let me say it again and make it as clear as I can. If you add anything to Jesus, it's not grace. If you add something to salvation, whether you want to say you have to be baptized to get saved, whether you say you have to be a church member to get saved, all of that is adding something to grace, to faith. He says, you've been lured away. Did you know we can be lured away from the foundation? Our foundation is in Christ and Christ alone. And he says to them, be careful that something could be added to that. I want you to go back to your foundation. If you're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor Kevin, without a shadow of a doubt in my mind, I know that I'm a follower of Christ because I've entered into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I've been saved. I've been forgiven, I've received him, he's Lord of my life. If that's you and you know that's you, let me ask you this question. We've been singing about it all morning. Are you living it out? Or has something lured you away from that moment, that foundational moment when you trusted Christ as Savior, where your world changed? I will never forget that moment. When I raised my head after praying a prayer, my eternal destiny had changed. Now, I didn't get goosebumps, and I didn't cry. I, I, everybody's experience may be different, but for me, it was the reality that I had settled the issue of my eternity right there at that moment. I don't want anything to lure me away from that. That's my foundation. What's pulling you away? You say, Pastor, I know I'm saved, but man, I'm not living it. What's, what's luring you? When I was going to college at University of Houston, I had a part-time job working at UPS. Great job, loved it. I loaded those big trucks that shipped merchandise all around Texas. And my job for five and a half, six hours a day was to take boxes from this conveyor belt and stack them in a big 18-wheeler. First day, I, st I filled half a truck. By the time I was there a while, I'd fill two, three trucks up just in my shift. And they taught me that the, the best, the most important truth to know in loading a truck is your cornerstone. Didn't think I'd learn that at UPS. They said, you find a box that's about two feet by two feet by two feet, and you put it in the corner of the, the very first box to go in, that's your cornerstone. And then you build a wall up in the back of the truck with all your boxes. They're the same size as that cornerstone. 
Then you find another cornerstone, and you start it, and you build another wall. And that was the way you load those trucks. That's why they can pack them so tight. That's why they can fill them with boxes. And we would always know when a truck arrived from somewhere else, and they didn't stick to the cornerstone. You'd open the door of the truck, and guess what would happen? You all know what happens? (laughs) Have you been there and done that? Some of you who loaded a U-Haul know what that's all about. Boxes would come tumbling. And they just kept drumming that into our heads. Keep to the cornerstone. That's going to make that truck pack tightly, and we're going to make money because we're going to get lots of boxes in there. I just carry that illustration with me through my life, how important it is to stay with the cornerstone because we can be lured away from that. And I don't have to go into detail telling you what's luring most of us, our world, our culture. Number one, we can be lured away. Number two, second truth, we follow Christ the same way we received him, by faith. We follow Christ, we walk with him the same way we received him, by faith. Look at verse two. This is only one thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Did you come to know Christ? Yes. Was it by faith? Yes. It wasn't by works. Then you continue by faith. What Paul is trying to say to them is you walk the same way you came to know him. It is by faith. Are you following him? I heard a quote by Joe Stoll. I love his ministry. He does strength for the journey on the the radio Bible class website. And and he said this, when he, God, looks over his shoulder, will you be there? Think about that. Ever play follow the leader? What does the leader do? Every once in a while, he looks over his shoulder. Who's following me? Did I lose them? (laughs) That's what I played. Lose the people. That, that That was not follow the leader. It was lose the followers. God doesn't work that way. When he looks over his shoulder, will you be there? Will you you be following him by faith the same way you received him? The issue here is obedience to his lordship. How are you doing? You may not understand all the details. When I accepted the call from God to move to Rockport, I did not understand all the details. In fact, let me tell you, I had it all figured out. Much like I had our prayer time figured out this morning. God took it a different direction. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with saying, God, here I am, send me, I'm not sure where that is, or how I'm going to get there, or what you're going to do when I'm there, but God, I'm available. That's following by faith. That's being sensitive to God's leadership. Gene's over here. He and Cassandra recently said, we're going to be willing to go where God's called us to South Texas Children's Home. And part of their testimony was, we're really not sure what all that's going to mean. There's Cassandra down there, sitting over, over here. Are these girls from your home? How cool, awesome girls, welcome. Great to see you. They said, we believe God is calling us to leave Coastal Oaks Church and be involved in that ministry. And as a pastor, I said, leave? (laughs) Who'd want to leave us? I really didn't say that. I said, great, praise the Lord. That's what we're supposed to be about, isn't it? Wouldn't it be great if every Sunday morning when we invite people to, to come to know Christ, we could also invite people to leave the church? To go on mission somewhere where God places their life. That, that's, that's obedience. I think about our journey. The chest is up here for our next journey offering. It's November 21st, I think. Is that right? Somebody help me. November 20th. That was Vernon's voice. 
don't know where she is, but I heard it. November 21st, when we started the journey 12 years ago, we had no idea it would look like this. Again, I had my idea, but God had other plans. We have walked in obedience by faith so we could be in a debt-free building. So when we have that, that final offering of our journey, Lord willing to put seats in here that are comfortable and lighting and finishing our video, we'll be able to say, God, now we know what you were up to. By faith, we follow by faith. Are you following by faith? See, when God called me into the ministry, I wanted all the answers. I wanted to know all the details ahead of time. And God pretty much said, Kevin, forget that. I'll tell this story. I've told it before. When, when I was uh, struggling with my call to ministry, Kelly's father was my pastor. And he's much unlike, very, very unlike me. When I would go to him for information or help or counseling, he'd say, meet me at the track. He's a runner. So Sunday night after church, that's where you got to be counseled by the pastor. So we're out there. I'm putting on my running shorts, and I'm not a runner, and my tennis shoes, and I'm not a runner. And I'm running around the track with him. And he says, tell me, what's going on in your life? What do you, what do you want to talk about? I'm, I said, I need to talk to you about my call to preach, my call to ministry. And uh, so he said, tell me about it. So I'm talking about, I don't know about schooling. I don't know about finances. I don't know about where I'm going to live. I don't know. And I'm going through all this list. And we're running, and he just stops me and puts his arm out. And I stopped and he said, Kevin, he said, you got one thing to settle. Is God calling you? And then he took off running. I'm like, <laughs> he literally stopped me in my tracks. And every excuse I had, he wasn't going to listen to. And I had to say, well, yeah. And God put all the pieces together. Will you follow him that way? By faith. Number three, we cannot grow in Christ apart from the work of the Holy Spirit we cannot grow in Christ apart from the work of the Holy Spirit verse 3 having begun by the Spirit are you now being perfected or matured by the flesh how many Christians come to know Christ by faith and then they try to prove themselves acceptable to God you can't be any more acceptable to him did you know that you cannot perform so that God will be more happy with your performance because you can't do anything. Christ did it all. Have you begun by faith, yet tried to find favor with God by performance? That's a, that's a temptation. Paul says, you need to rely on the spirit, not the flesh. What's the flesh? Some translations say the sinful nature or the human nature. I believe the flesh is just what battles with the spirit it's it's who we are who we were before christ and the bible says that's put to death but we just like to keep resurrecting it we cannot grow apart from christ or in christ apart from the work of the holy spirit can i say to some of us this morning stop trying to live the christian life stop let him live it through you when I was going to seminary, I had a lawn mowing business called Master Mowers. Isn't that cool? Master, I thought it was cool. It's kind of a play on words. Masters, anyway. Um, in Fort Worth, it gets cold in the winter and all the grass stops growing. So I had to find a way to, to feed my family of one, and then we had two, finally, when Carissa came, without mowing lawns. So I would go to class all morning at seminary, and then I would do whatever I could do. I, I bought a chainsaw and a ladder. I said, I will trim trees. I hate climbing ladders. I hate heights. But I did it because that's what we had to do. 
And I would use that chainsaw for a while and maybe a week or two, uh, finally decide to take that chainsaw in and get the chain sharpened and take it to the shop. And the guy would sharpen the chain and put it back on my chainsaw and I'd go out there and the next time I start up, right through the log. Man, I wasn't doing that before. And I would think, why in the world for the last week have I been sawing through these logs mostly with my effort and hardly any chain? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Maybe God just needs to stop us and say, stop the human effort. Stop the performance. Just rest in me. Let me sharpen your chain. Let me do the work. Number four. Fourth truth. We can draw strength in difficult times by remembering our journey. We can draw strength in difficult times by remembering our journey. Look at verse four. Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. He's saying it wasn't. Did you go through difficulties? Some translations say, did you experience things in vain? He's saying you struggled because you took a stand for Christ. Did you do that in vain? He wants them to go back to the time that they got saved. He wants them to go back to the time when they struggled when they were suffering for their faith, and remember that, because he wants to spur them on to get past trying to add something to Jesus. He's saying, remember what it was like. I shared those three experiences with you when I started. I go back to those periodically, and I draw strength on what God did in my life. When I first came to this church, feeling called by God to be here in Rockport, I went through a period of very, just a very difficult period of struggling, uh, there were doubts. Was I where God wanted me to be? There was fear. Have I gotten myself into a situation I don't know what I'm going to do with? And I became, as a pastor, overwhelmed with fear and doubt. I went to my journal. And I opened to that page where I shared how God called me here. And it reminded me once again, Kevin, God's got you just where he wants you. Stay faithful. You may not feel it today. Well, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it for months. But I went back to that significant moment in my life when God did a work, and it gave me strength to continue. Number five, we are evidence of the activity of God. If you're a follower of Christ, if you've come to know him by faith, you, your life is evidence of his activity. In verse 5, he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you. Did he do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? He's saying it was by faith that God did a work among you and a work in you. I want to I focus on that work in you for a minute. Can you go back and remember it was God who saved you? Not your own efforts. Not trying to get to heaven by mom and dad's faith, but, but through faith in Christ. Remember that moment. Go back to that moment. And then look at what he's done in your life, what he's done among you. Don't forget that you are a testimony of his grace. Paul calls it a, a trophy of grace, a, 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 
a treasure in an earthen vessel so the glory might be given to God. We are evidence of everything Paul is preaching to the church at Galatia. We are evidence of the truth of the Bible, the truth that salvation in Christ changes and transforms lives. Don't ever forget the wonder of what God has done in you. Do you get there like I do sometimes where you just, the Christian life sometimes is just gets to the point where you just struggle, you say, is it worth it? Don't ever lose the wonder of what it was like before Christ. Sometimes I pray, God, take me back to those moments as a young teenager when I used to lay in bed at night and afraid to close my eyes because I might die before I woke up and not knowing where I'd spend eternity. God, take me back to that so I can remember what it was like to be lost and take me to that moment where I prayed to receive Christ so I can remember the wonder of what God did in me. Don't ever lose the wonder. In John chapter 9, we looked at it in our connection class this morning. There's a story of a man who was born blind, and Jesus healed him. And the Pharisees didn't like that because Jesus worked on the Sabbath. <laughs> they forgot to make a note that he worked a miracle on the Sabbath, but they were all worked up about that. He worked on the Sabbath. And so they go to this man who'd been healed by Jesus, and now he'd been given his sight, and, they, and they're, they're uh, attacking him and trying to find things out about Jesus. And finally, the guy just says, Kevin's paraphrase, hey, I don't know about all that stuff, about who he is. I just know this. I once was blind, and now I see. I once was blind, and now I see. I once was in spiritual darkness, and now I see. Don't lose the wonder of what God has done in saving us. Don't ever forget that. But I want to close with a couple of questions. I want to talk to those who would say, Pastor, today my life just doesn't show it. Just doesn't show that Jesus is Lord. Let me ask you, what lured you away? What, what pulled you away from the wonder of his salvation and saving grace? Someone might say, Pastor, today I'm here in... You know, I know the Christian life's important, and I know serving the Lord is important, and I know walking with Him is important, but I'm just distracted. So here's my question for you. What distracts you? What needs to be set aside from your life that you would not be lured away, you would not be distracted? Then the last question is for someone who may be here today, and you are ready to give up. It might be that today you showed up today just because you were supposed to, just because you told a family member or a friend, a loved one that you'd be here, and you're just ready to check out. What's got you to that point where you'd be willing to give up? Now, however you answer all those questions, I don't know. But I do know one thing. If you will go back to those significant moments in your life when God did a work, He will bring you to that point, I believe, saying, God, how foolish I was to think I should leave all this behind. Let's pray together.